Welcome to season two of Bike Tales, which is recorded in Chichester on England's south coast. Chichester is not a cycling city, but a big part of the reason I wanted to do this season here was to try and unravel how a groundswell of enthusiasm about a cross-county cycle superhighway dissipated to nothing during the pandemic while elsewhere in the UK, infrastructure grew and strengthened. While trying to solve the mystery, I was pointed in the direction of Gabby Adams. Gabby lives on the A259, the road where the Chichester to Emsworth or Chemroot cycle highway was planned to be built. I am approximately two miles from the market crossing in the centre of Chichester, which is a street with four main roads north south east west very simple and lots of little twiggly roads around the edges and i am two miles to the west on a flat route directly taking me into chichester gabby has lived in her house for all her life and she remembers when the a259 and the local area was much more conducive to cycling my first bike was a gresham flyer which had rod brakes and it was quite rusty and old and it had been my brother's bike and my sister's bike and then it was my bike. We used to keep ponies in a field at Grass Livery in West Ashling. And so we used to ride from here to West Ashling, which is about three and a half miles, I suppose. We used to go off two or three of us at a time. In fact, you know, mum did sometimes come with us, but only because she was sometimes riding her bike while we were riding the ponies. But no, I used to just go off with my sister and we'd meet up with some other friends. Sometimes we rode all around this area, never never gave it a second thought. We sometimes had our riding hats on, only so that we had a means of carrying them, but we wasn't for our safety. Like much of the UK, the area where Gabby lives has changed a lot since she was a child. There isn't the freedom to cycle on the roads in the carefree way she did a few decades ago. But she still loves cycling now, and some of her fondest memories of biking in Chichester are as an adult in the 1990s. It was the days when I was commuting to work on the Comet, my brand new shiny bike, which I loved. And they just opened Centurion Way as a cycle route. In those days, it was a really nice ride because not very many people used it. And the tarmac was all nice and new, so it was flat. And that was my nicest bit of my journey, I suppose. On the way home, when I'd got all work buzzing in my head and everything, I would come down the Centurion Way, which meant you could really pick up some pace. And there were no cars and the occasional pedestrian. And it just felt lovely coming home from work. You just were looking at the wildlife and everything else. Instead of work going through your head, you were just riding your bike. When the A27 was built... The A259 became a secondary road, but it was still far busier than it ever was when Gabby was growing up. Over the years, she just got used to the creeping increase in traffic until lockdown reminded her how it used to be. When it stopped for three, four weeks, it was such heaven. And then when all the traffic came back, it was even worse. It was driving me mad. At the end of lockdown, I moved a wall upstairs and had it soundproofed so that I have a quiet space. Lockdown changed something else for Gabby. Despite being on a main road, she didn't actually drive much. And of course, 
even less once the pandemic started. During the lockdown, I sold my car, realising that actually I had a car in my garage, which I had to turn on and drive every now and then so the brakes didn't seize. And I was paying finance for it and the battery was going flat and had to put a new battery on it. And I thought, this is ridiculous. I don't need a car. So I sold the car. It was on finance. So when I cashed it in, I was given £169. That was the only capital value I had in the car. And with that, I bought myself two gorgeous Royal Horticultural Society pots for the garden and a trailer for my bike. When Gabby says she bought a trailer, you might have assumed she just hooked it up to her bike and that was the end of it. But she is a woman who likes to make things her own. It's been slightly modified. I ripped up one of these sort of day glow jackets and stitched a, a cat face on each side and used the retroreflective tape to make the eyes and the whiskers and things like that. So at night, it absolutely shines out at you. And then on the back, there's a smiley face. <laughs> Gabby loves her bikes and she does have rather a few of them. In fact, nine and a half at the last count. Some are ones she's doing up and all have stories and names. I've got a fold-up bike that my daughter rescued from a house in Lewis. It had a sign out saying, take me. And although it is currently hung in my shed, not doing anything, it's a bit of a characterful bike because it's got a sticker on it that claims to be a Brompton, but clearly not a Brompton. And the mudguards are covered with sticky back plastic of Marvel characters. So it's known as the Marvel. The half of the nine and a half I mentioned earlier is actually a 50% share in a tandem. I bought a lovely old vintage tandem, which is a Dutch tandem, a couple of years ago. And I love it. We went to Goodwood Revival all dressed up in, on it last year. Of course, you can cycle right round the perimeter and watch all the racing. I tell you, it was like riding round on a goldfish bowl. We had our photograph taken so much. For those who don't know this part of the UK, Goodwood is an English estate a couple of miles north of the city, which is home to several motorsport and horse racing events throughout the year, including the Revival a celebration of vintage cars, fashion and style, which attracts 150,000 people every year. As well as being a great place to show off vintage tandem, Goodwood also happens to be at the centre of another pandemic cycling mystery. Last summer, the estate was due to host the Vintage Bike Festival, Eroica Britannia. Well, Eroica's a big classic bike ride really a social bike ride it's held all around europe they set a course it's marshaled all the way around there's teams out there to rescue you if you have a breakdown you have to ride a bike pre-1987 and in pre-87 outfits there's a huge following for it and they moved their base to goodwood last year but unfortunately they let us down badly actually because they cancelled the ride the organisers cited logistical difficulties and said that it wasn't cancelled but postponed. But at the time of recording this episode, there is still no new date for 2023 on the Goodwood website, despite dates being released for other events later in the year. However, if there's one thing the cycling community in Chichester has grown used to, it's dealing with disappointments. Which brings me back to the Chemroot Cycle Superhighway. The plan for it was to run along the A259, past the end of my road and past Gabby's front door, 
creating an active travel corridor between two urban centres. When I left the UK for Canada in August 2020, there was energy, enthusiasm and purpose behind the campaign. I naively thought, with all the Boris-backed expansion of biking, that I would return to a changed city, but it wasn't to be. First, there was the debacle of the COVID bike lanes. Like many cities with no prior interest in cycling, Chichester leapt in with both feet to install pop-up bike lanes in 2020 and hired a design company to draw up plans. The results were quite a long way from ideal. They were told they wanted to get nursing staff from the railway to the hospital. So for some reason, instead of taking a direct route around one quarter of the city, they decided they'd take you three quarters of the way around the city with the most ridiculous route. It took them weeks to build it. They didn't signpost it very well. So it was very confusing. At every roundabout, you had to sort of go off the roundabout about 50 metres, cross the road that was joining the roundabout and get back on this so-called pop-up lane. It was so badly designed. It was so ill thought out. They basically went, where have we got extra lanes? I know, we'll do it anywhere where we've got two lanes and then we'll give a lane to the bikes and a lane to the... Well, of course, that made the drivers even more furious because they just kept saying cyclists aren't using it. Their counting devices, because they were trying to monitor that, failed to work. And we know this because Chai Cycle went out deliberately one day to ride over and over and over and over the counters. And then we looked at the data that was on their website and it counted eight bicycles. There was at least 30 of us, and we have it on video, and we rode over those counters about five times. So their method of then surveying it didn't work. And then, just as the pandemic got to the Delta wave, they ripped it all out again. And as a result, they've been banned from applying for what's called the Tranche 2 funding to then make it permanent. So yet again, wasted money. Further west, the same design business drew up plans for Chemroot. And when they were revealed, the very people who had campaigned so hard to get it built found themselves staring at the designs in horror. It was so awful and it was so unsafe and it didn't comply with the LTN 120 regulations. We had to try and get it stopped and we succeeded in getting it stopped and said, right, go back to the drawing board. And then the answer came back, well, we haven't got the money and we can't buy land and we can't and we can't and we can't and we can't and we can't. Incredibly, the very group who campaigned for the chem route found themselves knocking on doors trying to persuade residents to say no to it in the public consultation. We desperately need this route and we desperately cannot have it on the pavement. You cannot put it on the footpath. Even if you widen the footpath, you cannot put it on the footpath, especially in two directions. I have mixed feelings about this. I know we should hold out for a good standard of bike routes. It's something I've seen happening time and again in Canada, and I complain we didn't do it enough in the UK. But I'm not sure if I would be so disciplined to turn away the small scraps on the transport table. Wouldn't something, anything, be better than nothing? Gabby was not the original person who started the campaign to build Chemroute, but she has been left holding its tattered remains after the main man behind it gave up and moved out of the area. 
as things stand, they are very happy to spend money on consultations and meetings and discussions and putting out words about what they're going to do. But as yet, I've seen and ridden on nothing they have produced. And their target to build infrastructure for cycling is seven kilometres a year. That's seven kilometres in an area of nearly 800 square kilometres. We're light years behind. We're light years behind. And it's never going to be built in time for my retirement. She's right, of course. It won't be ready for any of our retirements. And this close to the coast, it's easy to cast an eye across the channel and think how different things are in Europe. We may have lost freedom of movement, but we can still easily take our money and our bikes across the channel for months at a time, which is something that Gabby intends to do a lot more of. Most of my holidays are with bike in Europe. And I've actually made a plan that when I retire, I am going to leave this country. I'm going to go for 90 days at a time to somewhere in Europe, and I'm probably just going to stay in hostels, but just live somewhere that I can cycle and enjoy cycling and, you know, go to the shops and all these things. Too often the car is seen as providing freedom, but it forces people into soundproof boxes and robs them of transport choice. How long can we defend always putting it first? Next time on Bike Tales, how an active childhood put one resident on the path to good habits and a career in fitness. We had one car per family and normally dad would have it for work. And so you had to walk, cycle, scoot, rollerblade. For me, that set me up into my healthy lifestyle, my interest in sport and fitness. Bike Tales is written, produced and presented by me, Claire Mansell, at storysolutions.net. If you'd like to know more about the podcast or listen to the first season, which was recorded in Canada's capital city, head to storysolutions.net slash biketales. And for photos, links and a map which shows the locations we mention in Chichester, check out the show notes. <laughs>